And our next guest on the Stronger with Sport podcast is none other than uh, Tipperary legend um, Noel McGrath. Um, Noel is a three-time um, All-Ireland winner at Tipperary and also a three-time All-Star um, winner as well. Uh, Noel, thanks for coming on the Stronger no with Sport po podcast. Um, I suppose, Noel, we'll always we start off our podcast going back um, to your younger days and um, I suppose how did you get involved in, in, in hurling number one um, and tell us a little bit about your, your family and growing up in, in Tipperary. Yeah, so I suppose um, I'm from a place called Lockmore Castellani um, in Tipperary, which is just between Templemore and Turles. Um, so I suppose historically our club is a, is a football club going back to the 50s and 60s um, and hurling really only started to become popular, I suppose, in the 70s. Um, early 70s with underage teams and on to under 16 and minor and we became a senior club in 81 um, and that's I suppose when when um, the hurling really kicked off in, in our parish and um, we've been a dual club ever since and for myself I suppose I'm probably playing over in Castellini since around 1994, 95 um, so it's, it's heading towards um, it's heading towards 30 years, I suppose, now at this stage. Um, the, the it showing my age a small bit, but that's where it started for me, I suppose. I used, my mother always tells me I used to love going training with my father when he was going over to play, like, and that I just wanted to be over there and whatever was going on, seeing what was going on. And then when I was a bit older, I can remember bits when there used to be probably six or seven of us all around my own age of five or six that used to be over at senior training or at minor matches or whatever it was and we were playing our own games so that's where the love really grew from it and my parents I suppose supported that all the way. My father um, played with the club until he was in his 40s like um, I actually played a junior football match with him around 2005 I think like so it was in it was in our family and I had uncles that played um, with the club and a lot of people that were involved so um, we have a strong parish and, and, and a good sport and community there and I suppose in one way I'm delighted that it was something that interested me when I was young because to be involved in it is great and I still love being involved in it now like and even after all them years like I, I look forward to going over playing matches and to training um, in Kivila, um two, three, four times a week or whatever it is. And I suppose growing up, um, did you have sporting role models? I know your dad played um, hurling for, for Tipperary under 21 minor and senior. Do you remember him playing or was it that you had like role models within your own club or within your own uh, community? Yeah, I suppose um, I don't remember him playing with Tip, but I would remember him playing a lot with Lockmore Castellani in both hurling and football. Um, was he stayed playing until early to mid 2000s um, at senior level um, with the club and so he would always have grown up watching that and I suppose there was there was a lot of lads that would have played for Tip in our club like in 2001 there was um, Noel Morris, David Kendi and Paul Armand part of the Tip uh, team that won the All-Ireland um, in 02 a Tip minor team that got to Crow Park to an All-Ireland final and um, against Kilkenny that they lost was a couple of players from the parish on that as well so they were all the people that you would have been looking up to and I had a cousin um, Pat Short from Upper Church who would have been um, on tip minor and under 21 teams who we I suppose as cousins would have all been looking up to along the way and other cousins that played um, at minor level and under 21 with tip and senior um, football and hurling with tip as well that I suppose you, you wanted to emulate and you wanted to do them things and then I suppose the, the the obvious one stood out when I was young was Owen Kelly for Tip, like he was I suppose the best hurler in Ireland for a number of years and he was one that I looked up to and uh, was lucky enough to get to play with him then as well when I started my inter-county career. And do you remember a moment like growing up, um, like I rem always remember going to watch um, the Mayo Men, I think it was in the 96 um, All-Ireland Final, um, I think that went to a replay against me, but I remember being up in Crow Park going, wow, God, I'll, you know, I love this sport, I really want to get the opportunity to play here. I'd obviously seen it on TV, but that was the, the time I kind of looked at the John Cases of Mayo and I was like, I really want to play the sport. Was there a time when you said, God, I'd love to represent Tip and, and, and play and get to Crow Park? Yeah, I think whether it was an actual moment or just it's something that I've I've never forgotten as was was the '96 All Ireland with Wexford and Limerick and um, I don't remember an awful lot of the match. I just know that I was sitting in the Nally stand um, and 
I just have a picture in my head from after the match of being on the field and there was little small white walls I think at the Hogan stand side at that stage and just going out over them and being on the field and it's just a memory that I've always had in my head and it's probably a moment like that that, that I suppose any young kid would just feel like this is where I want to be and the fact that it has stayed in my mind all these years is probably the moment that I felt I want to do this, I love to play in Crow Park, I love to be out there and the next memory I have is is, is of the all in 97 when Claire bet tipped. Like, so that's another moment, I suppose, that have stuck with me that probably made me want to do it and want to play. And I suppose when you are at that age, you, you haven't a clue where you're going in your, in your life, as in sport or anything, and you just have dreams. And I suppose that's the exciting part of it. And you see kids now, they have dreams of wanting to play for their club or their county. And I would have been no different, but I think that 96 All-Ireland I don't remember, I don't think anything of the match, but just that moment afterwards and being on the pitch um, was probably a moment that really um, gave me something that I, I wanted to do. And um, I suppose over the next few years, I remember all one a bit better, like um, being that bit older. I was 10 when they won that All-Ireland and meeting the players on the field after the match, um, things like that. You mentioned you going to men's games. Tip Camogie was strong at the time, like, and there was people from our parish on them panels I had a cousin involved in them panels that were winning all Ireland's like so you were just seeing Tip doing well at different different grades and different levels and that was something that I, I would have I suppose hoped to have been involved in and have lucky to be involved in. And was it always obviously you said you're a dual club football more so than hurling in early days. Was it always football in Hurland that you liked as a child growing up or were you involved in numerous sports? I know growing up in primary school I tried my hand at everything and I think it, it fell to, to GEA because at the time there was probably no, no other sport around. There was a little bit of soccer around the area but you know I, it w went to GEA because it was a boys team and progressed then. I know there's opportunity to play so many sports now but was it always football and hurling for you or was there other sports or yeah, I think interests? I suppose especially when I was in primary school I don't think I would have played any other sports in primary school. Obviously, you arrange your own soccer matches at lunchtime and things like that. Um, but looking up in our parish in Lockmore and Castellini, there was principals there at the time that I suppose really I suppose helped our GA club in the fact that they loved hurling football and they let us play hurling football as much as we. I suppose I won't say as much as we liked, but we played a lot more um, hurling football in school than you probably would be allowed to do now. And that really benefited us and that probably grew our love for the sport and um, it helped our GA club massively because we were all getting a lot of hurling and football during the week and then again at the weekends in the club so in primary school it would have been a lot of hurling and football um, but I then I suppose I played a bit of rugby in Turles when I was maybe 12, 13, 14, 15, um, a bit of soccer in Templemore up to probably 16 or 17 um, and I still play golf when I can and get time to do that, but um, it was always hurling football for me and it was, I, I really, really loved playing both for my club, Like, but I suppose my further aims were to play hurling for Tipperary and um, that's I suppose where my, my real big love was um, as a youngster was to play hurling for Tipperary and um, to, in, to do the best that I could at that and I suppose you never know if you're going to make it, um, but you have to I suppose try and I suppose live your dreams and do the things that you think are going to get you there and lucky enough I've been able to, to play for Tip for a number of years. And, and was it that, obviously as you said you're coming from the Jew club, was it that Tip tip Hurling was more um, popular at the time and you know obviously Tip Football probably, the Tip Hurlers have won a lot more than the Tip Footballers, was that because it was prominent at the time or did you have a love for Hurling over football or why was the reason was it Tip Hurling over Tip Football? Yeah I suppose um, people often ask me that and um, would I ever have played football or whatever but I was actually only ever asked to play football for tape once at minor level and I gave a few weeks at it but it just wasn't for me at the time and like ever since like I've had people on to me about playing I suppose the dual thing is probably gone now but back maybe 10 years ago there was a number of players playing dual at inter-county level but it was just something that I was never asked to do um, and I suppose you don't know until you're asked whether you would have or not yeah. but my sole focus would have been hurling. Like I suppose, um, it's um, it's a big part of my life and something that I, I really really love. And um, the dual side of it, I I love it for the club. Like I I love playing every football match as much as I love playing hurling with the club. And 
Um, I suppose that's because that's what I've been doing since I was young, since we were five or six, you played both and that was the way it was and I really, really do enjoy it. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I was to, to answer the question about the dual thing with tape, I suppose I, it wasn't that I said no to one or the other, um, it was just that hurling was the one that I was always involved in and that was the one I suppose I had my sights on. And do you think that if the offer was there, like, would you think there would be a possibility of being managing both? You know, how, how hard you train for tip hurlers, do you think you'd be able to give the same, you know, with the dual player, how hard would it be to try and manage both if it, if it was yeah, there? Yeah, I think maybe 10 or 12 or 15 years ago there was probably a chance that it could happen, but I don't think at the moment the way the thing is going, it's ever going to happen again unless things change drastically and I can't see that happen. It's just each team needs people training the whole time, each manager wants access to players all the time. It would be, don't get me wrong, it would be absolutely brilliant to see it because players want to play games, they want to play different sports, but I think just the level that it's gone to now, like it's just not feasible anymore um, for players to be able to commit so much time and for teams to be maybe down a player this weekend and up a player the next week, you know, it's just, it, it probably doesn't fit into how management wants uh, to run their teams now and then you could have situations of league matches clashing on the same day or league matches in different parts of the country, championship matches now, sometimes there's hurling and football on the same weekend, so the whole landscape has changed I think over the last 10 or 15 years in, in the GAA and I just, it's probably not something that's um, that's going to happen in the near future again. Yeah, and I think there's there's been so much science and, and strength conditioning and the whole burnout factor and you know I, I suppose I've seen it from the, the Cork ladies, footballers and camogie players, you know, Rena Buckley and Breach Cork has done it that time and you're just wondering how they ever done it. Um, you know, especially for a sport like hurling that it's so skills based, I know football is but yeah, I, I just think it's it's sad that it's not going to be able to happen, but I think it's next or near impossible for the dual player to 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 be alive at yeah, all. Yeah, because I think like, and it's hard to argue with managers wanting their player there all the time because there's so much scrutiny on every manager in every county that you have to look after your team first, and it's it's hard to maybe only have a player once a week um, that maybe might be an integral part of your team or you want them to be an integral part of your team. So it has changed where 15, 20 years ago, I suppose the training load probably wasn't as heavy. The S&C side of it probably wasn't monitored as much and there was that little bit more scope there to do it. I suppose in people asking our club how we do it, like we've the same management over both. So there's not really any conflict of interest there. So they want both teams to do well. So they're going to look after the players for that to happen. Whereas at inter-county level, you have different managers, different strength and conditioning teams over different teams. Um, so it's it's just uh, it's just something that I don't see working now at the moment. Yeah, and as you said, there's more scrutiny in it. I suppose if we go back to um, your time in your club and then trying to make it your underage career with Tipperary, wh how did that all happen, or when was your first time that you got on a underage team with Tipperary, and obviously the stepping stone into the senior team? Yeah, I suppose starting my f first time playing with Tip like would have been um, Tony Forrest to the under 14 hurling competition down in Waterford. Um, and we had a good team in that and we, we, we actually won that and a lot of them players would have been the backbone of a minor team in 07, there would have a good few off that under 14 team played um, on that All-Ireland minor winning team in 07 um, and lost an All-Ireland semi-final in 08 so they would have been the same teams but it was probably like going to school in Our Ladies in Tentmore was a big step for me as well like because we were competing while we we never got past quarter-final stage in the Harty while I was there. Um, we were competing at a high level against really, really good teams and had some right good players in our ladies um, and came up against uh, Turles two years in a row in quarter-finals, our biggest rivals in, in schools hurling and both games went to replays, um, which we lost. But that just uh, kind of got you to a new level and a new standard again and you realised that you were, I suppose, able to mix it with players from other clubs where you're able to join up and, and come together as a team in a school environment and then you, you're able to compete against teams from Cork, from Limerick, um, from Clare, from other teams from Tip in schools, hurling um, and that was I suppose where it, it kicked off for me I suppose around 05 and 06 playing Harty in school in Templemore. And then you went through the underage uh, ranks obviously with Tip under 16 minor and then I suppose as a, uh, I think you were 18, um, just an 18 year old when you got called into the um, Tipperary senior team. 
um, and I think you made your debut um, in the championship against Cork. I suppose describe that transition from minor into senior and when you were called up and how all that happened. Yeah, so I suppose I finished minor with Tip in, in 08. Um, so we, and we were after uh, being on the minor team in 06 and 07 where we won the All-Ireland. Um, in 08 we had another good team where I suppose when Kenny bet as an All-Ireland semi-final and they were they just they were just better than us like at that time like so you're kind of wondering then yourself where next for you you're gone out of mine or like are you, are you going to be called into the 21s are you going to be playing with the club um or what's going to happen like and i suppose i had started with with lockmore in on the senior team in 2007 and we won the county final in the monster club and i suppose that was the start of my senior hurling really um and to be able to play that for two years and I suppose the call into the Tip senior team was a bit of a shock to me to come so early and like chatting with my parents like wondering was it the right thing to do to go in so early um, but I just really loved playing hurling like and I, I kind of wanted to, wanted to go and just continue on my journey like and see where it took me and I suppose a lot of the boys that I would have played minor with over the couple of years before that were going in at the same time with me, so that made it a bit easier as well. Um, and once I got in there, then like you had lads that were so good to me and so good to us that came in that made you feel so welcome in there. And Liam Sheedy, at the manager at the time, like he was able to just gel the players together. Like so, it didn't matter that I was only in the door. Like I was able to able to mix with lads that were there five six seven eight years like and that just made me feel comfortable in there and um i suppose the fact that there were so many of us went in together like that had played together that helped us all i'd say bed in um because you had i suppose friends going in there and you had people you knew inside in the dressing room where you weren't going in and looking at people who you were only seen on telly before and kind of being maybe phased by seeing them in there so that was massive um i suppose helped was all going in and I think that that's what helped us to get on when we got in there as opposed to maybe feeling afraid when we got in. And I suppose describe the first um, year in, in, with, um, in with Liam in 2009, what was it like? Do, had you big, big expectations of yourself or like if you were coming off the back of your senior in th uh, minor All-Ireland for two years and, and obviously not the last year? There was obviously a bit of expectation coming in, obviously to to obviously come in and perform and obviously make the team. Like, was that coming from you, or what did you um, have for yourself for that year in two thousand and nine? Was it just to settle into the team and be part of the panel, or what was your goals for that 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 season? Yeah, I suppose as as an eighteen year old, I didn't really know what goals kind of were or what do you do when you get in here. I just went into hurl and to play like and didn't really think an awful lot about what I wanted out of the year to be honest like um, I suppose when you go in at that age you're not expecting maybe anything from it and I was just going in there to continue on what I had been doing like as uh, with my club and as the m as a minor and that with TIFF um, and it just kind of spiralled for me then like um, obviously the management were probably looking at me maybe as um, 18 years old and I this can build like over the next few years. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Maybe they thought I was going to contribute. Um, but for me, I just wanted to go in there and, and give everything that I had. And I suppose I didn't think any much about it as regards, oh, I'm just going in here now for the year and going to sit back and relax. I was going in there to play and compete. And if that was good enough to play, well and good. If it wasn't, well, I was still going to give my all like because that's what you do. You give everything you have, no matter what um, position you are on the panel. And Luckily enough, I suppose things clicked for me. There was players in there that I really clicked with that had been there for five or six years, and I suppose they helped me and I helped them in in, in a lot of ways. And the year kind of took off for me in the middle of the league. Um, my first start was against Clare, and uh, Seamus Hennessy um, was named to play, and he got sick. And on the morning of the match, um, they said that I was stepping in for him, and kind of things just kind of picked up from there. And um, I suppose. The rest of the year went went fairly well for me personally. Obviously, we lost an All Ireland final, which was hugely disappointing. Um, but to get in there and not really knowing where I was heading for at the start of the year, and um, just going in there to give it everything I have and to be the best that I could be, I suppose, and to help the team as much as I could. And I think that year you won an All Star and won Young Hurler of the Year. Was that right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. but like as an eighteen-year-old, then at the end of the season, 
are, uh, you seem like a really level-headed guy, but are you looking at yourself that you've won Young Hurler of the Year? Um, you know, there's more now, more pressure on you, um, more expectation for, for going into the following year. Are you just are you just the type of guy that says, oh, I'm just going to play next season and individual awards or, you know, pressure that comes on you? Or did you feel any pressure that was coming on you after after the season you had had as an 18-year-old? And also, as you said, you're playing with your club in a, in a senior capacity as a 16-year-old. There has to be some, you know, element of, okay, this guy is going to be a star. Yeah, I suppose you, you definitely hear different things being said and that, but I suppose I, I, I'm lucky enough that it, there is good people around me, like, and my family will be will be very good in that regard, like, they don't, like, not that any of us will be getting too far ahead of ourselves, but if they, if you are, like, if there was any kind of hint or anything like that, like, you just bring it back to just the normal life that you're living from, we're from uh, a normal place in Ireland, like, that hasn't got big airs or graces and um, that's just the way we were brought up and we were lucky to be brought up in that good environment like and yeah I suppose things like that can go to your head and like there's no point in saying that there's more attention I suppose on you after having a, a, a year like that at such a young age but I suppose the way I probably would have thought about it at the time was that in order to I suppose put them kind of things to bed is that you go and you perform again like and yeah at the start of 2010 was a bit ropey for me personally, I suppose, and for the team. Like the league probably didn't go to plan for us. The first round of the championship definitely didn't go to plan for us. And like between the team and personally, form was up and down. Like, and there was probably a stage where I probably thought maybe I wasn't going to be on the team at the start of 2010, like because my form probably had dipped a bit. But it was just something then that just clicked like over the summer. Like, and when it got to the to the to the main stages around. Um, semi-final and final stage like I was back performing as well and the team had just clicked again at that stage so um, like it, it probably was something at the time that I just got on with but I suppose it's something that if you're looking back you maybe might have tried different things I suppose but it's hard coming off the back of the year Tipper after having a good year in 08 coming from a low base and um, winning the league winning the Munster final getting to not earn in 09 and then it just dipped in early 2010, but I suppose w thankfully we got it back and, yeah. and, and got, a, got our All-Ireland. And I suppose describe 2010, um, your first obviously senior All-Ireland and, and that yeah, build up, I suppose, to from the semi-final to the final and what it was like, you know, obviously, as you said, you're growing up, you're there in Crow Park in 96 and 97 and, you know, in 2001 when Tip were there and, and you see it and now you're finally realising it in 2010. I suppose, you know, describe that kind of the day of the All-Ireland Final or even get to an All-Ireland Final know that you're going to be um, in Crow Park on the biggest day of the year, 80, 82 plus thousand there, and then I suppose getting over the line against your arch rival. Yeah, like I suppose in 09, like we, we were, had performed so well in All-Ireland Final day, like and with 10 minutes to go, we were in a serious position, but I suppose Kilkenny were so good at the time that they were just able to kill us off in that, in that period of five, six, seven, eight minutes where they just banged in two goals, like, and that really killed us. But I suppose we would have done a lot of work, I suppose, in 2010, like, to make sure that that wasn't going to happen again. Like, so when it did come back around to All-Ireland Final Day in 2010, um, when we were in the position that we were in, like, when we were like, a couple of points ahead, like, we learned from the year before, like, and we just kept cool heads and kept hurling away and kept doing what we were good at doing and what, w what had got us to where, where we were so um, yeah I think we definitely learned from 09 to 2010 and just that sense of satisfaction then like to, to I suppose pull off an All-Ireland win like as I said it's something you dream of when you're younger you see teams winning an All-Ireland whether it's your own county or someone else and you want to be involved in that and when you get older then you realise what it actually means like so to be able to be involved in it and see the emotion on players that had trucked for seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years um, with Tip, and some had won in All Ireland in all one, others that hadn't won one in the years in between, and see the joy that it brought to them, like and to be part of it was unbelievable, and it's just it's it's a feeling that never gets old and something that you just can't get enough of, and unfortunately there can be only one hurling and one football team each year that that gets that feeling, so um, that's what we all strive for. And I suppose you're probably at reunion stages for that for that All Ireland now. Um, it's getting close, it's getting right, close yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But I, I suppose again, I, I come back to it. You're you're what at that stage? You're 19, coming on 20, and, and you've won an All Ireland with Tip. Surely, um, you know, 
you're now so well known within the Tipperary hurling community and within Tip and, and, and the national stage. Um, do you find it in any way hard to deal with that, or is it when you go back to the club, you're just brought down to back, brought back to reality? Obviously, you have celebrations, and, and I'm sure for a couple of months after winning it. But I always felt any time I won anthem with uh, Mayo and I come back to my club, it's just that you're brought back down to reality, and now it's your, your job is to try and win something with your club um, after the Tipperary season. In my case, the Mayo season was done. Was that the case down there? Yeah, 100, and it still is. Like whether you win or lose, like when you come back to the club, like. It's just as if, for me anyway, it's just as if you've never left because you, you, you might get, like, you get a congratulations or you get hard luck, but within five or ten minutes, like, it's all over and done with and it's back because life moves on and sport moves on and you just realise that you have another job to do now and go and do your best for your club and try and win. And that's just the way it, it is and, and that's the way I think it should be as well because, like, you hear of different places where you have people that maybe that are playing with their county and when they go back to their club they mightn't train or they mightn't play or you know what I mean and I, I, I think your club is where you're from and it, my club gave me a platform to play for tips so you have to go back and, and give everything and more to them um, when you do get that chance to do it so after 2010 yeah it would have been just back um, we played the senior All-Ireland on a Sunday, we played the under-21 All-Ireland the following Saturday and we had a club match then um, the following Monday after that. So it just all happened so quick like, and you just get on with it and as a 19-year-old and you're happy to be just going out playing matches and getting back to, to normality again because my friends in the club were so good to me and supported me all through um, my career from minor under-21 and still at senior that like you go back and you give everything for them as well. like and. That's the way I always have been, and that's the way I always will be as long as I'm as long as I'm playing. Yeah, and I always felt that I suppose w you know I felt especially after losing All Ireland's, you know, I was dying to get back with club. It was like a safe place, and um, not that it help you help you in some way forget what especially after defeat that you'd lost. And once you're you played one club game, whether it was a league game or a championship game. Not that the All Ireland was fully forgotten, but it helped you just move on. And as you said, you're going back to people that you just treat you as you know normal and who you are, and you're training hard, and you're just worried about the next game, and you're not looking back. So I always found that club was a great um, place, a sacred place that you could come back to, and it was just um, you just wanted to play football and forgot about, especially the defeats. Um, the victories may be a little bit different, but I always felt I was back club training within a week after any of the All Irelands. Yeah, same. Like, and that's the way it would have been. And I suppose with the old format, when you were finished with the county, you probably had a match within a week or two anyway, yeah. so you needed to get back um, um, to get trained and to get involved in the whole thing again. But yeah, I just I just loved going back because as I said, they were the people that supported me when I was younger. They supported me through any matches and difficult times I've had with Tip. Um, and so you give back to them and what they've given you, you try to give it back I I the same and more. like so. I was always very grateful to them and all my friends like that would have supported me and gone to matches and supported me when things were going well for Tip and when things weren't going well for Tip. So that's that's just part of it and um, you have to appreciate what people do for you. And I suppose describe the next few years then after obviously you, you win the All Ireland in two thousand and ten, it's two thousand and sixteen that you you know, you get back and win win it. Um describe the the next few years playing with Tip and, you know, the ups and downs I suppose that you have with them over that period? There was ups and downs through it, like I suppose in 11 we lost an All-Ireland and 12 we lost a semi-final but both them years we won Munster finals like which Tip hadn't been doing like up to 08 and um, there hadn't been a Munster final won in six or seven years in Tip so like I suppose you can look at them years as being disappointing that we didn't win All-Irelands but we won two Munster finals as well which we <laughs> what would we do for a Munster final at the moment in Tip like we love one um, so yeah, so obviously at the time we would have loved to have went on and won another All-Ireland or two directly after 2010 and unfortunately that didn't happen and things I suppose w between 11, 12, 13, like we lost an All-Ireland in 11, lost semi-final in 12, we lost two games in 13 which knocked us out of the championship and I suppose it was wondering like where were we going to go as Tip Hurling like our like we were, the younger Kruvas were 23, 24 around there and this was our time to really, I suppose, pick up the pieces and, and take over from the likes of Owen Kelly and Lair and them who had 
driven the whole thing for the years before that and I think early 2014 things were, were moving well in, in the league and that and we lost the league final and then we lost the first round of Munster Championship again and you're kind of wondering where is this going but we played Galway in, in Turles um, and it kind of kick-started our year and we lost an All-Ireland final after a replay that year but it got us back on track in a way I suppose after two or three years where was there was a bit of negativity around Tip Hurling of that the younger lads hadn't pushed on like and which was probably justified in a way because um, we it had gone we hadn't pushed on from 2010 so just to get ourselves back to the top table again and competing and be so close to winning All Ireland like um, um, 2015 another year where a puck of a ball in All Ireland semi final um, meant Galway Galway beat us and. Then 2016, I suppose things just really took off once we started the Munster Championship and we went unbeaten the whole year, like which was unbelievable, really. Like and to to get back to win that All Ireland and it kind of helped us, I suppose, justify the years of of the heartache. Um, like you've no divine right to win any year, like so when you do win them, you have, you enjoy them and you realise the heartache that you've had over the the previous years and that it is all worth it. Yeah, and I suppose because, uh, you know, a lot of teams talk about um, All-Irelands and, you know, winning uh, one All-Ireland and, you know, that's, to me, it's phenomenal achievement, no matter what, what the sport is. But a lot of teams want to have that second All-Ireland to say how good they are, to reaffirm that winning the first All-Ireland wasn't any little bit of a, a fluke or, or that. Did that group have that, 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 that second All-Ireland really wanted to re-establish that you were, you know, one of the top teams in the country, even though you're in All-Ireland final and you're winning Munster titles, but... I know for me that was always that you wanted to win the second All-Ireland to say that, you know, this is establish, establishing us as one of the really good teams. Yeah, I think it did, to be honest, like, because we knew we had a group of players there that were capable of doing it, but it's easy saying that, and a lot of teams in different sports have a group of players that are capable of winning, but it doesn't always happen. So to, to actually get over the line in 2016 and to, and to win that All-Ireland was... I suppose a sense of satisfaction that w we were still able to compete at the top, that we were still still there, like, and you know that you're still in the mix then, like, that year, the next year, and that you have a chance, like, so to win the second one wa was very satisfying, like, and you're older, so I suppose you appreciate it a bit more, um, you, oh, so you enjoy them all because you do enjoy them all, like, but y you do appreciate that bit more winning the second one and the fact that, I was 24 years of age at the time, um, 23, uh, 24, yeah, that you um, you do, you just realise that all the hard work is worth it and that the, I suppose, the knocks that you've taken and the criticism that you've got, like, uh, that you're able to bounce back and you're, you're, I suppose, you've reached your goal that you've aimed for at the start of every year. And how, d d was that bad? What, like, Tipperary is obviously a proud Hurling County year. You're in Munster, and you know the Munster Hurling Championship is like no other. You're, you know you're competing against you know three or four teams, if not more, in, in any year. You know where we, we we might talk about the Leinster Championship is a little bit different, but and then you're in an era where Kilkenny Hurling is you know really dominant. Um, did you at times find like criticism within the Tipperary you know Hurling um, sphere that you know that's hard to take? Does that criticism drive you as an individual on or does it drive the team on? Are you just the type that just goes on and does your job and, and worries from game to game? Yeah, I think personally I think I accept that it's part and parcel of sport. Like it's it's you're you're working at high level sport here, like the GA is is, is top level sport in Ireland or it's can be matched up to a lot of sports around the world. So there's there's going to be criticism no matter even when you win there's sometimes criticism so like i i just accept it as as part and parcel of the game i don't take it too personal um there's times when you probably do use it a bit maybe to motivate yourself or to maybe get you through that early season training when you're questioning a lot of things about why you're doing it and just i suppose to get that satisfaction out of why you train but i I've never taken it too personally, to be honest. Like different players, I suppose, use it in different ways, or different players take it differently. Um, but I've accepted it since a very early stage that it is part and parcel of the game. And yeah, when you're younger, it probably might affect you a bit different. But when I got into my early to mid twenties, like it's just something that you you just have to get on with because you realise that you have people that you can trust, you have people that you can talk to, and 
if them people are telling you things that you need to change and do different, well, you take that on board like, and you go and work on it. But if you're to listen to every single person who has an opinion, you wouldn't get time to do anything because everybody has so many different opinions. And in a way, that's a, that's a good thing about sport because it, it just excites people and it gets people talking and people give their opinions on it. But when you're in the game and when you're playing, you kind of have to distance yourself from that and realize that in order to perform and play, like once you look after getting your team right, getting yourself right to be part of that team and like you're going to hear different bits and pieces, but you learn to block it out over time. Yeah, because I think nowadays and particularly probably over the last even number of years and the way social media is, there's such scrutiny on, you know, individual players and it's normally the, the top players from, you know, the counties that are doing well. You know, I, I look in our own county in Mayo, like Aidan O'Shea being one, one that's, you know, has a huge scrutiny on him, you know, um, and a lot of it, it's negative. Like, as a player, do you think that's right or, you know, having to deal with that? I know it's part and parcel, but you're still an amateur sports person that has to go out and get up on a Monday morning and work and do your 35 hours a week. You know, is it, is it right that the, I suppose the players are being scrutinised to, to the letter of the law and they're trying to, you know, walk around the streets of Tipperary or walk around the streets of Casabar, whatever it might be? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is right at all. Like, and social media, I think, is nearly the main driver of all that because people can say things that there's no consequence for. There's no accountability for what you say on social media, and uh, I honestly think that that has really, I suppose, driven the negativity around certain teams and certain sports and certain players over the last probably ten years. Um, and that I think is the is the main reason why why there is so much scrutiny on players, management, teams, why there's individuals that get abused over time. Like, like when you, when you think of some of the players that get a lot of the abuse, like there's probably four or five different managers that have been over them players on on a certain team, and yet they still stay getting picked. So in the background, that player is probably one of the best players to train. They're probably one of the most honest players on the panel. They're probably doing things that a management are asking to do that's obviously working for the team. And people just don't see all that. Like, and like it's, it's not right in a way. It's not right in any way that the abuse comes. But I think if you spoke to most of the players that get that abuse, they probably don't even know that they're getting it or they probably don't take it on board really that much at all because y you don't, you're not going to go onto Twitter or you're not going to go onto these social media platforms after matches because no matter how good you play, there's going to be somebody that's saying you've done something wrong. Like So you just have to, I suppose, it's easy to say just get on with it um, because that's only kind of burying the problem and the issue that's there. But unfortunately, at the moment, with social media, it's so easy to say things without any accountability that if you go after it, you probably end up wasting more energy of your own time and more energy that you can be putting into probably training and playing that you don't need to be to be doing yeah. like so I, I totally agree and yeah. i think the biggest worry is for the younger player that are coming up now but as you said that you, you'd hope the older player in the panel protect them if they're you know are an 18 or 19 year old and, and and you know kind of getting that much abuse on social media and i suppose most ga players or sports people realize that twitter and, and places like that aren't the place to go after a game whether it's been good or bad because a lot of the time it's such negative comments coming in from um, from people that can just hide behind the screen. Exactly, because like, a lot of the accounts that can be on it at times probably aren't even, they're obviously a real person typing it, but the name could be something different, the picture could be something totally different. And it's, I don't know if there's anything that can ever be done about it because it's a, it's a platform and it's a platform that I use to get a lot of my news, whether it be sport or just general news, and it's, it, it serves a purpose. But when it comes to sport, I think at times it's just it gets out of hand like and um, as I said already I just there's, there's no accountability on it and you learn over time that you don't buy into or you don't listen to any of that that kind of rubbish that goes on in the background but again as you said a young player coming in like they might be I suppose the younger generation at 18 or 19 now a lot of their lives is lived through their their social media so they're going to be on it a lot and might see a lot more than some of the older players so um, it can be hard and you know. Is, is it something in a, in a within a team environment that you like talk about or is, is mentioned or management talk about it or is it just 
something that's just left and you kind of know not to, to go near it or you learn as you get that bit older. Yeah, I suppose at times it comes up in conversation. It definitely comes up between yeah. players because a lot of the stuff that's written, you actually knock a bit of crack yeah. out of some of it because it's so it's far from the truth of what's actually going yeah. on that you just end up laughing yeah. at it. Like, and you have these people believing what they're saying is 100% yeah. true, whereas you're actually involved in the setup and know that it's not yeah. true. So, but like it, at times, like people would say, like just stay away from it and, and don't waste your energy on it because it does sap energy. Like if you're if you're constantly trying to read about what's going on or what people are saying about the team or what people are saying about an opposition team or and it takes energy from what you need to do which is to prepare yourself yeah i suppose we'll just take you back to we, we spoke about obviously winning in, in 2016 your second all ireland but before that the year before that in in april i think of the the 2015 um your kind of life or world was rocked um with um a diagnosis and uh, around that time um, you can you can go into it exactly what happened but I suppose take us through that period of time it, you know obviously it's well documented now and how we got back for the All-Ireland semi-final against Galway that year but that April uh, 2015 that day or, or morning that you found that diagnosis of cancer. Yes I suppose it was obviously we lost the All-Ireland year before like and you come back in January and your aim is obviously to right any wrongs that you think you could do to, to perform better and to get back to, to that level again so we were obviously trying to get fit, we were trying to get strong, we were trying to get a hurling good and the league had been going relatively well for us and um, we were we were heading towards well, late March, early April I suppose we were going away for a week with Tip and I kind of knew that I wasn't, f I wasn't fully right, and it stemmed from an evening in the gym in UCD where I was just pulling a bar along my legs, and it just rubbed off me, and I felt that it it, it wasn't okay, it was it didn't feel right, but I just put it down to a knock that I might have gotten trained or in a match, and just kind of stayed going and didn't really think too much of it for a few days, but it just wasn't going away, like, and I just had a a, a lump in my test skill that was. I suppose it was ab abnormal, like it wasn't something that, it was something I knew shouldn't have been there, like so in the back of my head like you think you're the worst of what it could be but on the other side of it then you don't want to be told what it is so I went maybe two to three weeks where I kind of hid it and didn't really want to say anything about it but my mind was in overdrive and it was just draining me and that week away with Tip I spent most of it in bed because I was just drained from it all and just wasn't so it. So in that period energy. you hadn't told anyone or asked no, anyone for advice no, or anything? No, so I hadn't asked anybody. Mm. So this was, I suppose it was going on from probably the late March and this is the first week or two of April when this was going on and just had my body drained like from the whole mental side of it and eventually when we came home I remember just texted the doc um, that Saturday or Sunday and he said I'll see you Monday morning but he thought I was going over for maybe t after being run down and just a flu or whatever and we chatted over and back and I was very close to just leaving without saying that and then something just clicked with me just say hold on here a second you need so I said it to him and he checked out and he was nearly able to tell me straight away that there was an issue like him what it might be so obviously the scans and all that followed up in the, that day and the next day or two after that and that was a Monday and by the Friday I had been operated on and I got it removed and over the next couple of weeks was I, I had one round of chemo that just was for precaution to um, I suppose hope that it, that, that it, would, it would get rid of it um, and yeah I suppose soon enough after that I was I was told that I was going to be able to get back playing and get back working and get back I suppose doing a lot of things that I had been doing before it but it just took a bit of time and um, I suppose the relief from it when I told someone and got it looked at, just took away it off me like and I was lucky enough that I did it at the time because I reckon it was somewhere around two to three weeks where I noticed that I had it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you left it drag on, you just don't know where it's going to end up or what's going to happen. So I was lucky that that I I called it at the time and that the people that I spoke to on it were very good to me and were open. They had been, I suppose people that I trusted and, and that was probably the reason why I did it for a finish because I trusted them and knew that they were going to look after me if there was any issue and I suppose at the time it was it was draining and it was there was a lot going on like and my body was wrecked for probably a couple of weeks just from the mental side of it more than physical um, but 
yeah, I suppose once I got out the other side of it and realised that I was going to be able to get back playing, what level I hadn't a clue mm -hmm. what I'd get back to, whether it'd be just club or whether I'd ever get back playing with tip, I didn't know, but I knew I had a chance. Um, and that just helped me, I suppose, get out of bed in the morning, I mm -hmm. suppose, the phrase you use, because like, it, it gave you something to, to drive for, to, to look forward to. And I like, had a lot of people, like between family, friends, um, my girlfriend at the time, um, who I'm now married to. Um, so they were all very supportive of me at the time. I was in um, involved in my club team, my county team, where there was a good network of people there. Like there were people coming to collect me, to take me for dinner, to take me to matches, to just get me out of the house. Yeah. Like, and that just kept, kept the mind right and kept the body right as well, because you could easily have got into a rut maybe of being at home all the time and feeling sorry for yourself. But um, just having that network around me was massive at the time. And after you obviously you you found out your diagnosis, you know what was the next step in it? Like, did you have obviously have to go and tell your parents and your family, your girlfriend, your teammates? How was all that period of you know? It must be a whirlwind. It happened on a Monday, and you're now having surgery on a on a Friday. And you know, unfortunately, that word cancer to so many of us is just like it's like whoa. You know, I do you think? this is going to be bad or where's your mind at like I, I know you, you recovered and got back thank God but you know there's a period of time when you mention that like are you just like are you just in a whirlwind? You are like I suppose you're in a total whirlwind because you, you have not a clue what's going to happen like you don't know I didn't know until I get the operation what they were going to say how what was it or what could it be or what's going to happen next um, but luckily for me, the scans and that were able to tell me that, that it hadn't spread anywhere. Yeah. So straight away, that was a, a huge relief. But just hearing the word, like, is is hard. Like, and even still, when I hear it, it brings me back to that. Like, mm -hmm. and there probably doesn't a day go by that it doesn't that it something doesn't bring me back to it and think of that time. But I kind of look at it now and take the view of that I was lucky, um, that that I was looked after so quick and that I was looked after. I suppose so well by the people that did in, in all the different places that I was and the great people that work in all the hospitals around Ireland and look after so many people like and I was one of the, the ones that, that was lucky enough to be in a lot of their hands and that got got out the right side of it. Um but it does like it it does rock you and there's days when you often think like what if? Yeah. Um and you know and that does I suppose I won't say worry you but it does at times just make you realise like that how lucky I have been to get back playing, to be able to work, to be able to live basically a normal life after it um, so far. So um, it is, it's, it was mad, it was a crazy time. Like there was a lot of people calling, people with good wishes, people texting, people who had been through it before, giving me, uh, I suppose, their advice on, on how they dealt with it and, and, and the good stories that, that came out of it. Like so that was all a massive help for me, as I said, like it, it, it kept me, it kept the mind fairly right and it kept the body, I suppose, active and it kept me, I suppose, with something to aim for at the end of it. And then I suppose that's April. Um, All-Ireland semi-finally get back to come on as a sub against Goa. I think that's August, early September, All-Ireland semi-final stage. Like, the training, obviously, for the first one, I think, as you said, you had intense chemo and you were in bed for 10 days with it and then you know, you get back to some sort of activity. How do you get back to the level of fitness, first of all, to be ready for an All-Ireland final, physically, never mind mentally? And then I suppose, go back to coming on, I, I, I'll always remember watching it, coming on f um, in the All-Ireland final as a sub that time and the stand ovation by both the, the Tipperary and Galway supporters. Like, how, how, how was your emotions and how were you feeling at that time? Yeah, so, at the time, I suppose I felt like that I was probably back to full fitness and that I was ready to play the full match, like an All-Ireland semi-final, like you think, yeah, you're definitely going to be fine to play it. And like, I, I think I came on in the 60-something minutes, so maybe seven, eight, nine minutes is what, what I played for. But And I felt like you're, you'd be kind of saying, oh, I'd like to get on earlier. And you know, it's just yeah. the, the competitive nature of any sports person they want to play. Um, but I suppose when I went back playing with the club that year, we actually finished hurling the following week. We got bet in a mid-championship match by Turles and we were gone out of the county championship um, a week later. So we just had football left for the rest of that year. And 
coming towards the end of that football championship, we lost. I think it was I think we lost the county quarter final, but I knew my body wasn't back to where it had been by then because I had played a couple of matches over a period of time and. By the end of it, I was just fully drained from it all. Whereas the adrenaline would probably have got me through a couple of games in the early part of my comeback. Of I played a few club matches, trained with tape, played that match where I felt like I could have played for a full match. Um, then a few, one or two more club matches in one hurling and two or three football. But by the end of it, my body was just drained, and I just needed to, I needed to to get it right again if I was going to get back playing. So it probably took a lot out of me. It definitely mentally would have taken a lot out of me and physically it probably took more than I thought at the time um, because there was a lot of going, there was a lot of I suppose talking about it, there was a lot of places I had to be, people I had to meet for this scan or that test or whatever and it just it probably caught up me at the end of that year but like I, I, I got a good bit of time off at the end of that year and in fairness to Mick Ryan who had gone in as tip manager he he was open to me waiting until the first or second week of January, I think it was, when I went back then after that. So the body was after getting a nice rest like um, from it all. And um, I suppose, lucky enough, I got back to a level that was allowed me to compete when I got back training. And describe that moment when you come on, um, I think, as you said, about seven or eight minutes to go um, in an All-Ireland semi-final. You know, you're, you lose the, the semi-final by a point to go away. So it's in the melting pot. It's not like you're just coming on to be um, you know to get a standing ovation you're coming on to have an impact but also then obviously the um the way that they go in the temporary supporters like that feeling like describe what it was like yeah um it wasn't something that i ever thought too much about at the time because i never expected that to happen like i suppose i just presumed i was gonna if i was asked to come on like it's just i'm just I am just another player like anyone else, like you're just coming on and I hadn't really thought of would there be a reaction or anything like that. And actually it wasn't until after the match that I realised that there was because as you said, the game was in the melting pot, like I I suppose the kind I suppose I, I'd always look at how to, as a team being a team player and that's the kind of the way I like to be, like is to be not the one that's I suppose trying to do everything for themselves but to make sure that the team is going well and like it wasn't until afterwards that I realised that had happened because I was trying to get in to win an All Ireland semi final, like, and that was just the mindset at the time. But looking back on it, like, for that to happen, like, there was people from Tip that I probably never met or never will meet, people from Galway that I don't even will never meet or never know who they are, and like, it was a nice moment, like, looking back on it now to see that what sport does, like, to two teams with nothing in it, with five or six minutes left, but yet there, that was all put aside for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was just, I suppose, for the whole journey, the GA community was massive in that people were chatting to me, texting me, ringing me, like from all parts of Ireland, like giving me best wishes. And that was just another moment then that, that signified it all. Like, and it wasn't until afterwards when I probably sat down and seen what was after happening that I appreciated it, like what, what people done that day, like, and, um, the support that they gave me that day and, and a lot of other days as well. Yeah, and I know you spoke about Auntie and Con Cunningham, the Galway manager at the time, making an effort to come to you. Obviously, they'd, they'd won the semi-final mm -hmm. now into the final, and that kind of rang true with you as well when he came over to you. Yeah, like, sure, it was just something he didn't need to do. Like, mm. if he didn't do it, nobody would have known. That, you know what I mean? Like, nobody would have said, why didn't he? Like, so that just shows, again, he just went out of his way, like, to... to to wish me well, like, and to say well done for getting back or whatever it was, like, and another moment where the result was just put aside for them few seconds, like, and it just showed that how genuine people are, like, in the GA and not just in the GA but outside of it as well, like, and uh, as I said, that was something he didn't have to do if, and nobody would have said one word one way or the other if he didn't do it, like, but he 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 made the decision to do it, and like it was something that was a very nice moment and something that I would appreciate that he done. And I suppose we, we've spoken about 2016, you go, you, you go on to, to win the All-Ireland that year. Did what happened in 2015 make it extra special? Or you're now in 2016, you're back training and, and, and all is going good. But as you said, it's always in the back of your mind. But was 16 that year, was that like an extra special year? or It was because, if, like as I said, April 2015, am I ever going to play hurling or football again? Am I ever going to 
what what's what's happening for me in a month's time let alone yeah. in a year or two times yeah. so just it's it, to get back there and to win was was unbelievable like and like it was I suppose as I mentioned earlier as a team it was satisfying to know that we were still able to compete and that we were still um, I suppose it, we were after getting our second a lot of us like to have been there for a couple of years and personally then to get back into it to play um, in an All-Ireland winning team after the uncertainty of the year before and mm. you know it was it was fairly satisfying and something that I'll always remember and like it was a, a fairly special day for tipping that the Miners won as well like um, so to be part of a big day like that in Crow Park like is, is what I grew up wanting to do from when you realise what sport was, what the GA was and so to be part of it then was, was unbelievable, especially after what had went on for the previous 15 or 16 months. And then I suppose to take you to your third All-Ireland in, in 19 and, and some would say that were probably your best season within um, in Tipperary Hurling, um, you know, from from what I read, I suppose, describe the, the your third All Ireland and the two thousand nineteen season. Yeah, I suppose it was it was again similar to sixteen. Like we were on the back of seventeen and eighteen, where seventeen we were so close. Joe Canning's unbelievable point mm. knocked us out, and then eighteen things didn't go well for us at all. And I suppose um, the new management came in and. Players were kind of wondering, like, were were some of us at the end of our career, like, or was there anything left in the tip team, or you know, and so just that satisfaction of all the hard work because we we trained very hard that year. I suppose not unlike any other year, you train hard every year, but that year there was just a bond and a togetherness there of the whole panel that, um, when it came to the end and when we won, like, the satisfaction was unbelievable, like, and. So it was a lot, a lot of hard work put in that year. A lot of sacrifices made by people, I suppose, to get to train and to get to different things to make sure that they were preparing right. And again, like to, I suppose, to have such a year that we did, where we had a massive loss in the Munster final, and things could have went, um, as could have could have went anyway. I suppose after that, um, but the, I suppose we we stuck together, like, and we we got over leash, and then. I suppose how we the Wexford match was probably the one in the All Ireland semi final where it really just I suppose kicks not kick started but it it just felt like this was this was meant to be that mm -hmm. year like when we we came back with when we were down to fourteen like and and won that so it was it was special like and I suppose personally it being a good year for myself like and um, I was in a new position that I hadn't played in probably for ten or twelve years out midfield. Um, and just enjoying that and, and, and uh, I suppose the freedom that I felt on the field all that year like is something that you're searching for and striving for all your life I suppose when you're on the sports field. Yeah um, and I suppose um, we're going to finish and just talk a little bit about your, your club and I suppose last year or yeah 21 um, you know your club went viral probably from a social media point of view and everyone knew um, where it was I'm not saying they didn't know in, in times past but your your run through the football and, and hurling championship. I know you done the double one in tip. Was it in two thousand and thirteen? Was the last time and and, and twenty one. Just and just even talking to you off air, like how like how is it possible for like a dual club, and especially within a county from a hurling point of view, you know that's hugely hugely competitive. Like tell us about your your run through the um, the Tipperary Championship and obviously you know the disappointment of the Munster Championship, but. I don't know how many weeks in a row that you were out playing both football and hurling. hurling. Obviously, your club is so special to you, but just kind of give us a, an insight into um, Lockmore la um, in 2021 in both hurling and football. Yeah, so I suppose you mentioned there like that it was the second time that we were doing after doing it, and we spoke about social media already. And I think like people asked why was 21 different than 2013, and I suppose social media had a big part to play in that. In that everyone was actually able to see what was going on I suppose between different things but 21 I suppose just I don't know can you pinpoint the time when it really kind of took off like because it was a slow burner to start with um, we we lost the mid-final which is our divisional championship to Turles fairly heavily we lost our first match in the county championship to Killadangan by a pint as well so you're kind of wondering where is it going to go like there's two of your biggest rivals after beating you already but it kind of slowly started to take off then like and it just got going in the county championship we just got a run and I suppose 
with the hurling and football, like as I mentioned earlier, people often ask how do we do it or whatever. Like, but first of all, we have the same management, so they want the best for both teams, um, so that they're able to manage the players the best way possible. Um, and second of all, in 2020, we lost both county finals by one with the last puck in extra time in hurling, and we lost the football one by a pint. So. There was that hurt, I suppose, there from the year before that was driving us. Um, that was, I suppose, got you through the tight games, I suppose, when you're wondering, are we going to get through it? Because um, you're coming up against against top teams. But the enjoyment we had, like, I suppose, there was every night we were going over training, there was anything from 25 to 35 lads training, like, on any given night. Everybody wanting to do their bit for, for the team, for the club. and. It just it was so enjoyable, like yeah, and then people from the parish just started to roll in behind it, um, and it just took off. I suppose when when we the hurling went to a replay against Clonmel, we were one two to North score down after five minutes in the football final. So it's just a lot of things, and I suppose it's just one of them years where it was meant to be. Like the year before, remember the devastation of losing both because you think, are we ever going to get back here again? And I just thought, like, how are we ever going to get back to one, let alone two again? And for it to happen so quick, I think, added to the, I suppose, the excitement of it, the enjoyment of it, and it probably added to the attention that the, it got in the media as well, given that the year before had been so disappointing and that where we, I suppose, had lost the two in such devastating circumstances. But, um, yeah, it's just it's something that I'll never forget. Like I was lucky enough to be asked to captain the hurling team last year, so to lift Dambreen and Tiff like is a, is a big big thing. Like and it's something that I'll always cherish and always remember. And like there was lads there that we had given eight years trying to win a county hurling final after our last one, and there was some of the boys that hadn't won one. Like and just to see the joy that it brought them like was was worth it alone. Like let alone thinking of winning one for yourself like but the lads that hadn't won one like what it meant to them and what it meant to people in the parish and unfortunately COVID at the time was still mm -hmm. wasn't really I suppose gone away at the time not that it's gone away yet but it was still fairly um, something talked about so not everyone got to enjoy it as much as they would like to but we I suppose would have hoped that when they were watching at home or watching wherever they were that we were able to give them that enjoyment because they were massive supporters so I was in the parish like and like it, it was just a couple of weeks that I'll probably never forget like it was, was it 17 or 18 weeks yeah. on the track like and it was just so enjoyable every night you were going training that it didn't feel like that length of time at all like and um, it was just it, it, it came to head like so well for us for a finish and obviously the Munster Championship match we lost both matches in that which was disappointing because you don't get too many opportunities mm -hmm. to, to go into into Munster. Um, but look, hopefully, you never know, at some stage again, we might get a chance to, to go in there. But the fact that w we have what we have, like you always have to be grateful for what you have because in sport, you're never guaranteed anything. And the best team in the world doesn't always win. Like So you have to cherish them when you do and enjoy them when you do and make the most of them when you do because there's enough negativity in life and in sport as well without adding to it by not enjoying the good days like so we definitely enjoyed it like and I suppose even 2020 when we lost it was very enjoyable because you're just meeting people that you weren't meeting because of COVID and you were doing something that as opposed to sitting at home on the couch like like we all were for many months and uh, during all that and to be able to get out and express yourself in something you love like was was great. Did you look on a little bit, I know in the football that you lost, Brenda Hurling, you know, the way you lost to Valley Gunner, yourself getting sent off very controversially, um, your brother getting sent off for two yellows, which was very controversial too, and then you look at Valley Gunner, went on to win the Munster and, and, and then on to win the All-Ireland. Do you look at that and go, are you just grateful for what that she achieved in, in that situation or, or, or things like that? Do they come into your head? Ah, look, they do. Like, There's no point in saying they don't. But at the same time, there's no guarantee we would have went on and done what Ballygunner did. Like, They're a seasoned outfit who had won seven Waterfords in a row. Like, So they were, they were, they're a quality team like who had to dig deep over the next few rounds to get to where they got to. So there's no guarantee that we would have got to where they got to. Would I have loved a chance to have gone on? Absolutely, I would have given anything to go on another step in that. But, like, 
the way it finished and I've had the conversation with, with a number of players, like you could look on it and be like, oh, this, that and the other yeah. and look at what if or if this didn't happen. But that only takes away from what we did in tip, like, and like to be able to look back and say what we did in tip, like, that was unbelievable and we'll, we'll have that forever and we'll enjoy it. So, like, losing the two matches in Munster, yeah, it was hugely disappointing um, because in the football especially, we've gone into Munster a couple of years now and we still haven't got over that hurdle of winning a match in Munster. Um, so that's something that we, we'd love to do if we ever get the opportunity again. But I, I, if you start looking at it, I think like that, with what ifs and that, it nearly takes away from the good of the previous 16 or 17 weeks where we had just an unbelievable time and enjoyment. And like, as I said, Aero Guinness were a good team and player in the football. Bally Gunner, an absolutely serious outfit who went on and win the All-Ireland so like they would have had a lot more to happen for us to go on um, and win but would I love the opportunity to do it again absolutely and would I give anything to be to be back in that situation again I would so whether I ever will or not hopefully I will at yeah. some stage. What I, what I think the most interesting thing of it all was that every week as a uh, just a sports person interested I was in Australia at the time you were looking for your results to see how you did where they're going to go for the next weekend and they talk about oh they're gone for their 15th weekend or 16th weekend in a row and to think <coughs> excuse me to think that you can go like week in week out for 16 or 17 weeks is phenomenal where like we talk about the era of burnout and you know you've probably majority of the same guys on the football and hurling panel there are going but you're having great fun you're enjoying it and you're just going from training to a match training to a match and you know, to be able to switch from one sport to another, I just think it's phenomenal. Like, you, you really did as, you know, whatever 35 individuals put your club um, lot more on the, on the map for the rest of Ireland to know. Yeah, no, it was. It was, I suppose people often ask, how did we do, like, in I mentioned already about having the same management, but I suppose when it came to midweek, like, we trained once, maybe twice, depending on what day the match was the following week, and it just... You were such there was such momentum and such crack and fun and adrenaline, I suppose, that it just when it came to probably f week 14, 15, 16, that's where you probably could have started to weigh in a bit. But lads were enjoying it so much that you actually didn't even think about it as being tiring. Like, and the training during the week was just so enjoyable and fun that you wanted to get there, you weren't thinking, oh, I'm tired from the week before or I'm sore, you actually just wanted to be there because it was so enjoyable. and. That was that was really the the main part of it. There's no real secret, I suppose, to what we did. Like um, we didn't do anything different than a lot of teams that I've been involved in and how we trained or prepared. Like um, so, yeah, it was it was just so enjoyable and like there are things that y you just you never forget. Like and things you never get sick of. Whether it'll ever happen again, who knows? Like that's that's the joys of sport. You don't know what's around the corner, so. But while we were at it, like we had some time of it, and I, it was something I wouldn't take back. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a thing that they'll talk about for for years to come in in the village, and and yeah, um, as I said, reunions and and a plenty will be have. So, um, Noel McGrath, Tipperary hurler, um, thanks a million for coming on the Stronger with Sport podcast. Um, I want to wish you the best luck in the upcoming uh, Tipperary hurling and, and football uh, club championship, and the best luck in 2023 with Tipperary. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Cora. <laughs>